Welcome back. All right, we uh, we are doing a special episode of Destination Health, something I want to do a lot more of. You know, when I first started this health journey, um, I decided that before I was going to talk about health or try to help anybody else with health, that I was going to read the top 100 new books on health. This was actually back in 2014. And there were a lot of new books, a lot of books about paleo, not much about keto back then. Uh, not much about keto at all back then. We uh, were one of the earlier adopters of keto uh, and even developed our own version of the keto diet that we call um, nutrient-dense keto, NDK. Uh, so I started reading and I read books on grains and I read books on fats and I read books on losing weight and calories and autoimmune conditions and digestive issues and cancer and diabetes and everything I could get my hands on that wasn't the old traditional stuff. And the reason I didn't want to read the old traditional stuff is because it has failed us horribly. Look around. Um, The government started telling us what we should eat in the 1950s or so, the mid-1950s. So we're, we're about roughly 70 years into this experiment of the government telling us what we should eat, and it is a horrible failure in every way possible. Look around at the health of people today. One, there are way, way, way too many fat people around, and let's just call it like it is. They're not heavy. They're not big-boned. They're not plus size. They're fat, and I don't want to fat shame people, but I also don't want to gloss over it and say, oh, that's okay. That's just you. No, it's not. It's a perverted version of a human being and and we should change it. And when we work so hard to make it acceptable, I think that's a really, really bad idea. And And you have to admit to yourself, that it's not pleasant to go through life like that in any way imaginable. Now, I also don't blame people anymore. I, I kind of sort of used to, and and I feel bad about that. And, you know, we, we were all kind of brainwashed into this whole thing that, um, you know, the, the doctors just kept telling us, the government just kept telling us, well, if you're fat, it's because you take in too many calories and you don't burn off enough. And if you keep telling somebody that, the only logical answer is, well, then you're a glutton and you're lazy. But I know people who aren't gluttons and they aren't lazy, and yet they're fat, and they get fatter every year. So something went horribly wrong. And what went horribly wrong was our food supply and our food advice. The advice to drop all of the fat and cholesterol out of your diet and replace it with grains and carbohydrates, that's what's killing us. It's making us fat, sick, dumb, and broke, and then it kills us. But it kills us really slowly. They don't want to kill us fast because then they can't make any money off of us. But if you can keep somebody sick for 40 years, boy, you can make an awful lot of money out of it. If you can keep somebody diabetic for 40 years, you've just made $400,000 on a single patient. 
Why would doctors, hospitals, clinics, any of these places ever want to cure anybody of anything? They make far more money by keeping people sick. And the food industry is is just as complicit. Um, They make a bunch of really, really cheap garbage food, which adds to the fact that it it is the sole cause of why we are fat, sick, dumb, and broke, and why we get fatter, sicker, dumber, and broker every year. But we could change that. It all comes down to what we put in our face every day. And this idea that cholesterol was bad for us, I I don't know how they managed to pull off what might be the biggest scam in the medical history ever. The scam of cholesterol is bad and we all need statins to be healthy. It is really criminal what we've done. So what I want to talk about today directly, cholesterol and statins. So I decided to do it through a book review. Um, The book is by Dr. Dwayne Graveline. And Dr. Graveline has some pretty impressive credentials. He is a former U.S. Air Force and U.S. Army flight surgeon. He's a NASA astronaut and a family doctor. Um, Unfortunately, Dr. Graveline is no longer with us. He died in 2016, and he believes that one of the biggest factors in his death was the fact that he took statins. Now, the, um, the book that I'm going to review today specifically is by Dr. Dwayne Graveline. It's The Dark Side of Statins. And the Wonders of Cholesterol, that's the title of the book, The Dark Side of Statins and the Wonders of Cholesterol. Uh, But Dr. Graveline has written several books on statins. In fact, I'll be referencing one later in the presentation, and I'll tell you what it is now. It's called Lipitor, Thief of Memory. And he had a crazy experience with this. I'll, I'll talk about it here right now. And I don't normally do this, uh, but in this book review, I'm going to be reading quite a few quotes directly from the book. Uh, I sat down and I looked at some of these and I thought, well, I should maybe put these in my own words. And I thought, no, I want you to hear right from Dr. Graveline about some of these things. So before we get started, a a, a couple things. One, cholesterol is not bad, and there is no such thing as bad cholesterol. We we always talk about this good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. I've even done it. I've not done it in the same way the medical community has, but, but I've still used that term bad cholesterol. And over the years, I've been changing that somewhat. You know, the traditional medical community believes that Total cholesterol matters, but that doesn't even make sense. Total cholesterol is made up of three different numbers, triglycerides, HDL, and LDL. Some of those numbers, the doctors told us they want to be lower, but at least one of those numbers, the doctors told us they want it to be higher. Well, how do you take three numbers get some lower and some higher, add them all together and make any sense of it. What if I lower my triglycerides and my LDL like they want me to, but I raise my HDL so much, which they also want me to do, and my total cholesterol 
number goes up. I did exactly what they told me to do. Lowered my triglycerides, lowered my HDL, raised, uh, no, lowered my LDL, raised my HDL, and yet now they would want to put me on a statin because my total number went up. So total number is kind of meaningless. Actually, cholesterol, talking about cholesterol itself is kind of meaningless. It's not the problem that we thought it was, not even close, and I'll talk a lot about that. Not only is it not a problem, cholesterol is essential to life. Every single cell in our body is made from cholesterol. Our body produces 75% of the cholesterol that's in our blood. It doesn't come from our diet. 75% our body produces. But even if you decided for some reason that you wanted to lower or raise your cholesterol, either one, and you decided to do it with diet, it usually doesn't work. Because if you eat more cholesterol, which is a good thing, by the way, eating cholesterol-rich foods, eggs, dairy, meat, high in cholesterol, uh, some seafood like shrimp, super high in cholesterol. That's actually a good thing. We want more cholesterol. And the more cholesterol you eat, the less your liver has to produce. But now if we go on some kind of crazy low cholesterol diet, like we skip eggs and we skip dairy and we cut back on red meat, we're just asking our liver to produce more cholesterol. Our liver has 500 jobs to do in our body, over 500. Maybe if we eat cholesterol like we have throughout our entire existence on this planet, because we ate a lot of animal products as hunter-gatherers, maybe we could give our liver a little bit of a break and it wouldn't have to produce so much cholesterol. But the fact that our liver will produce 75% of the cholesterol we need should tell us something. If our body produces it, why are we trying to lower it? That's a good question. When it comes to cholesterol and statins, we should be asking the why question a whole lot more. So let's, uh, let's jump right in. I, I want to start off with a quote. I'm going to read this directly from Dr. Graveline. Quote, I practiced medicine at a time when cholesterol was public enemy number one. Six weeks after starting Lipitor, now this is the doctor starting Lipitor himself because doctors also have doctors, and his doctor, his flight surgeon, recommended it. Six weeks after starting Lipitor, I had my first episode of transient global amnesia. TGA. A year later, after re-challenging with Lipitor, I had my second attack of transient global amnesia, and we'll talk about what that means. Back to the quote, the brain is dependent upon cholesterol for the formation and function of memory. The full range of statin side effects goes far beyond cognitive dysfunction to include behavioral and emotional disorders, chronic nerve and muscle damage, and an ALS-like neuromuscular degenerative process. ALS, 
is Lou Gehrig's disease. That's what most people know it by. I'm very familiar with it. My father died from it. There is lots of evidence that many, if not all, of the statins on the market can increase your risk of getting neuromuscular diseases like ALS. There are other um, similar diseases as well we'll probably be talking about throughout this. So what does... uh, what does TGA really mean? Transient global amnesia. So again, I'm going to read uh, right from Dr. Graveline's quote so you can understand what he went through. Now remember, he's an, a, a pilot and an astronaut. And they watch their health very, very closely because they're in pretty dangerous occupations. And yet, he had a doctor prescribing Lipitor to him. He had his first episode, and when he went back to his doctors and said, I think this was the statin, they said, oh, no way, that doesn't happen. But he quit the, the Lipitor on his own. And then his doctor convinced him to go back, and not long after he went back to starting it again, he had his second episode. Now let's describe what transient global amnesia is. Quote, you have no warning, and in my first episode of TGA, I retrograded 10 years. In my second episode of TGA, I retrograded 56 years. Here's what that means. I was abruptly 13 years old for an amazing 12 hours. What does that mean? He was 12, 13 years old for 12 hours. So what happens in, and we don't know why this happens, we don't understand it, but it has absolutely been tied pretty directly to the use of statins. So what he's, what he's saying is, without any warning whatsoever, he lost all memory of anything he learned or experienced after he was 13 years old. So at that moment, if you were trying to talk to him, he would believe that he was a 13-year-old kid still in school because that's all his brain could remember, the things he learned up until he was 13. All other memories were wiped out, and you can't create any new memories. Now, fortunately, these things don't last long, although 12 hours would be a long time to go through something like that. And we need to talk about something else, too, that that is critically important here. But imagine that. Imagine all of a sudden your brain regresses back to where you now believe you're 13 years old because that's all you can remember and that's all you've experienced. Now, obviously, in his I'm going to go back to his quote. Obviously, in my second experience, my flight training, like my marriage with children and my training as a doctor, had not yet taken place. To suddenly awaken in the cockpit of a strange, never-before-entered flying machine would have been an incredible experience, almost inevitably ending in death. Because here's the thing, he could have been flying a plane when this happened, and he would have been a 13-year-old who had no idea how to fly a plane, wouldn't have any clue what anything in the cockpit was for. 
and his episode lasted 12 hours. He would have died, no doubt. Now, I got thinking about that. Had he died, had he crashed the plane and died, we would have no possible way of knowing this ever happened. There are no traces left in the body. There are, there's not a single test you could do to identify that this even happened. So, how do we know when somebody crashes a vehicle or a piece of construction equipment or dies in any kind of an accident, how would we know that they didn't suffer an event like this? We have no idea how common this might be. If it was his first episode, we, there would be no clue that this was the cause. So when we hear these, these accidents and somebody says, oh, well, they must have had a heart attack. Oh, well, they must have had a, gone into a diabetic coma while they were driving. Oh, no, maybe they had transient global amnesia from use of statins. Within a couple of months of talking about this in the beginning, he found at least 30 other documented cases of this. And, and he's gone on over the years to find many, many more. Um, So he believed the medical community needed to have this information. I'm going to go back to his quote now. You can imagine my reaction to learn that the archives of internal medicine rejected the manuscript. Two months later, we submitted the paper. um, We submitted this paper to the annals of internal medicine, and they rejected it as well. Now, Dr. Graveline has some pretty impressive credentials. He partnered with another doctor, Dr. Gollum, uh, and he says both Dr. Gollum and I had abundant experience with submitting papers for publication. It was a very well-written paper disclosing a new reality, one that the powers that be controlling the peer review process were not ready to accept. Statins were simply too good If anything, they should be put in the drinking water was the prevailing climate at the time, end quote. And he's right. They were talking about putting statins in drinking water. That would be criminal. We already put fluoride in there, and that's a really bad thing. That should never happen, but it does. But the the medical community refused to publish a paper that two very esteemed, very well-credentialed doctors who had published multiple papers, probably hundreds between the two of them, they wouldn't accept it. Why not? Yeah, we have to ask this question a lot. Why and why not? Why don't we know this stuff? Can you imagine, though, how this could happen and we would never, ever know that it happened we would have no clue and in fact we would never be able to prove it i I don't believe they have any way even if they suspected it which nobody does because nobody even talks about this and this isn't really new remember i said dr graveline died in 2016 so everything he's writing about happened at least before 2016 much of this information goes back to the early 2000s We've known most of this for for almost 20 years now, and yet you never hear anybody talk about it. 
So here are some other things that uh, we do know about statins, but nobody really talks about them. All of this stuff is well-documented, but you very seldom ever hear it if you don't go looking for this stuff. Um, Tens of thousands of statin users have complained to their doctors of weakness, instability, easy fatigue, muscle aches and pains, burning of their extremities, depression, and faulty memory, to which their doctors generally have responded, you have to expect this now. You're over 50. How many times do we hear that? How many times do we say it? Oh, well, I'm getting older, so I forgot where my keys are. My joints hurt. I get tired easily. Well, um, the doctor's actually kind of on the right track because what we now know is that statins speed up the aging process. And we even understand the mechanism that does it. And, and here's what the mechanism is. And I'm going to go over this several times throughout this presentation because I want you to start to understand this. Uh, one of the things we should always ask ourselves when we're looking at taking any drug, how does that drug work? What does it do? We actually have some drugs where you could ask anybody, you could ask the pharmaceutical company, you could ask their scientists, you could ask the doctors, and they would look right at you and say, we don't know how it works. That's an absolute truth. We have drugs, they have no idea how to explain how they work. Now, with statins, we do know how they work. They, remember I said our body produces 75% of the cholesterol in our blood? So statins block the pathway so it stops the liver from producing the cholesterol in the first place. So they do work to lower the cholesterol number. But we have to ask ourselves, why again? Why do we want to lower the cholesterol number? Well, the reason the doctor will tell you is completely false. There's no scientific evidence behind it whatsoever, even though your doctor will swear there is. What I want you to do is ask your doctor to see it. Can you show me the evidence that, that says lower cholesterol is a better thing? Because in all honesty, the data says the opposite. That high cholesterol is a much better thing than low cholesterol. And it makes sense. Our body produces cholesterol. It, we need cholesterol for a lot of functions in the body. There, it's in every single cell. So... We take a drug that blocks cholesterol. Our liver can't produce it, so our cholesterol number goes down, and the doctor said, look, it worked. Well, yeah, it worked to lower the cholesterol number, but did it make me healthier? No, made you far less healthy because here's something else that they don't tell us. I'm going to jump ahead. I had this later in the uh, presentation, but I want to jump ahead so you understand this now. So what we're talking about um, statins block an enzyme, not that this matters, called HMG-CoA reductase that the liver uses to make cholesterol. We, the statin blocks the pathway so this enzyme can't get to the liver, and without the liver, without the enzyme, the liver can't make cholesterol. Now, I've done a really, really deep dive into cholesterol and statins. I did it several years back. I did it again. I've read 
many dozens of articles uh, about how statins work. And they all say that they block that enzyme. But what they fail to say is what else happens when you block that passageway. The, the, remember the concept of unintended consequences? They're trying to block this enzyme, which they succeeded, but they never tell you about the unintended consequences of blocking that pathway. That pathway is not used only for that enzyme. So this is going to get a little nerdy scientific. I'll try to keep it short, but I want you to understand what's happening here. This, this is called the reductase step. All biochemists know as that step is susceptible to being blocked and it, it is at the very beginning of the mevolinate pathway. So that pathway is used for cholesterol synthesis and that's what they're blocking. But it's also that same pathway is also shared by many extremely important biochemical substances, including CoQ10. Now, we started telling people eight years ago, you shouldn't be on a statin, but if you are, if you're going to be, because a lot of people are, uh, uh, 40 million people, I think, in the United States, if you are, you should absolutely, absolutely be supplementing with CoQ10. Because your body can make CoQ10 until you block this pathway. CoQ10 is the single most nutrient, the single most important nutrient for your heart. Wait a minute. I thought we were taking statin drugs to improve our heart health. But a statin blocks the single most important nutrient. Now, at least now you see some commercials now and then about CoQ10. But I swear I have asked... Uh, several hundred people on statins if their doctor told them they should be supplementing with CoQ10 and not one of them said yes, not one. But CoQ10 is only the start. Dolicles, I, I know we've never heard that word. They're extremely important. We might talk about those a little bit more. Selenoproteins, very important. Normal phosphorylation. Rho, R-H-O, vital for cognition. And Nuclear factor kappa. I told you it was going to get a little nerdy and scientific. CoQ10, dolichols, selenoproteins, normal phosphorylation, rho, vital for cognition, and nuclear factor kappa. All of these biochemical substances are extremely important to our health. And when you take a statin, they all get blocked. Why aren't we talking about that more? And when we go through the list of side effects of statins, which are long and real, you can trace every one of those side effects back to the fact that we're blocking these biochemicals that we absolutely need to be healthy. How did this drug ever get approved in the first place? And now it is one of the biggest sellers. I think I have some statistics uh, coming up here in a little bit. It is, uh, it is horrible to 
understand the fact that we're trying to lower something in our body that we absolutely should not be lowering based on all the statistics and the research and the drug we're using to lower that number is horrendous when it comes to side effects and health. Now, um, here's probably the single most important factor. When we talk about um, we're compromising CoQ10, we're compromising dolichols, we're compromising um, these other biochemicals that we need, here is the logical sequence of what's going to happen next. We end up with increased oxidative damage and mitochondrial DNA mutations. That is really scary. Using these drugs are resulting in our DNA becoming mutated. I can't imagine anything more important that we need to um, focus on. So I'm going to try not to get too geeky again here, but the logical consequence of this mitochondrial failure is insufficient mitochondria to supply the energy needs of the cell and the cell must die. And with, ins- with sufficient cell death comes tissue failure. So now think about all the side effects of statins. If it's a nerve cell, we've lost it and perhaps thousands more, helping to explain why so much of the statin damage is permanent. We can't reverse much of this damage. Uh, imagine if that cell is a muscle cell, because remember, we're blocking the things like cholesterol that our cells need to be healthy, and that's all cells. Well, if it's a muscle cell, with sufficient loss of muscle cells, we permanently lose muscle strength, and we end up with muscle pain because those muscle cells are dying. Muscle pain is a very, very common, well-researched side effect of statins. And now we know why. Remember how important that question is? Now, what about this one? It's also true for the pancreas. With sufficient loss of pancreatic cells and their insulin-producing islets of Langerhans, yeah, that's the geeky science part, pancreatic failure and permanent diabetes can result. Even if we don't lose all of the pancreatic cells, in the beginning you won't lose them all, not right away, but if you lose any, you are much more likely to become diabetic. Um, A five-year trial showed a 30% increase in the incidence of diabetes associated with statin use. Statins significantly promote diabetes in six out of seven trials that I read. Six out of seven trials, 30% increase in the risk of getting diabetes because you're taking a statin. Diabetes is already rampant. Do we need one more thing to help us create diabetes? Um, Our internal insulin supply is facilitated by cholesterol. So it's a double whammy. We're lowering cholesterol, which means we will end up with less insulin because you have to have cholesterol for insulin. And 
these other pathways that or these other biochemicals that were blocking start to create cell death and it could be all the cells in our body. So if it's the pancreas, you could end up a type 1 diabetic at that point. This is kind of scary stuff. I can't believe we don't talk more about this. The first thing, let's go back to cholesterol for just a little bit. Um, Forget the idea of good and bad cholesterol. We shouldn't even say it anymore. I'm going to try to catch myself if I say it and, and stop saying it because it's just not true. In fact, and I didn't realize this till I did the research this time. Um, let me get back to where I was. Uh, without exception, without exception, biochemists can confirm that all cholesterol molecules throughout the known universe are identical in every respect. So how can there be good or bad cholesterol? It's now possible to frighten people with unscientific descriptions like good and bad when talking about cholesterol, and it's completely nonsensical. There's no such thing as good and bad cholesterol. There is, there is damaged lipids. Lipids are fats. There are damaged fats that can be in our body, and they can cause problems. It's not cholesterol. Cholesterol is not our issue. And the damaged fats come from our diet, by the way. That's the only cause of the damaged fats. Um, lowering cholesterol by as little as 10% in the pancreas prevented the release of insulin. The paper described a mechanism by which cholesterol-lowering drugs and statins are really the only ones. There's a new group coming out. We won't be talking about those for a while, but right now the only drugs are are really statins. Um, This paper described a mechanism by which cholesterol-lowering drugs directly cause diabetes i just i can't it in fact if you have a statin if you're taking a statin go look on the label the fda back in 2011 required the statin packaging to carry the warning about the risk of causing diabetes i i just think we ignore all these warnings about side effects i and i don't know why you should really read those things and think pretty serious about them um there's so much to cover here. Uh, let's move on, though. I don't want to. I don't want to get too geeky on this, and I don't want to 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 take too long. But he, here is one of the reasons why we're in this position because our pharmaceutical system and our medical system has become nothing but a giant cash cow. It, it, there's there's no other way to put it anymore. They keep pushing more and more drugs, and they keep ignoring how dangerous these drugs are for people, and yet nobody really talks about how to change your diet and your lifestyle instead of taking drugs. Uh, statins are the most widely prescribed cholesterol-lowering drugs in the world. Despite the expiration of their patents, revenues for statins, revenue for statins is expected to rise with total sales on track to reach an estimated $1 trillion. $1 trillion they've sold in statins. That's insane. And that's even with the, uh, the patents expiring, but they'll just create new drugs so that they can go make a bunch more money and... Um, like most drugs on the market, they won't work nearly as well as they try to convince us, and they will totally ignore uh, the dangers and the side effects. Um, here are, you know, we have new guidelines now. The National Cholesterol Education Program 
promoted a new guideline for the use of these drugs. Now, now they don't just look at total cholesterol, they look at LDL, and they want your LDL down under 70 milligrams. What that means, that is an abnormally low level of cholesterol and the only way you can get down that low, there is no way through diet you can do it. doesn't happen. Uh, the only way you can get to low levels of cholesterol like that are high doses of statin drugs. Not just taking a statin, but for some people, they have to give them incredibly high doses. Well, the bigger the dose, the worse the side effects. The dose is the poison. That's one of the things we say in nutrition. The dose is the poison. You can take a little bit of something and it can be really helpful. You take a lot of it, it could kill you. It, there are substances like that. Uh, the artificially low levels of LDL cholesterol are grossly unnatural to the human body. That's a quote directly from a traditional doctor, by the way, not even a functional doctor. Um, there is absolutely no credible science that offers proof that lowering cholesterol levels to physiologically abnormal levels reduces cardiovascular risk. No science or evidence behind that whatsoever. But I, I just read an article by a doctor who I traced it back, and he has strong financial ties to one of the makers of one of the popular um, statins. And his quote was the exact opposite. There is no credible science, but he said there are mountains of science, mountains of evidence. No, there's not. It's just not out there. And what is out there, all you have to do is, is trace it back a little bit and find out that it was all the studies were paid for by the pharmaceutical companies who sell statins. Can you say conflict of interest? Ah, the real big question here is why do we want to lower statin levels at all? We, we really don't. Um, we don't want low cholesterol. The evidence shows, especially as we age and get older, that the higher our cholesterol number is, the healthier we will be and the longer we will live. So we talked about uh, how statins work. We talked about the fact that uh, statins are really, really bad for us because they block so many biochemicals that we need to get healthy. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the, the side effects, the negative side effects of both lowering cholesterol and taking statins, because there's a double whammy here. When the drug does what it's supposed to do, lower our cholesterol, that creates negative health consequences and side effects. And then the drug itself causes negative health effects and side, side effects. So we get multiple and that's why the list of, of side effects, and they're pretty common. It's pretty long. Um, the, the consequences of lowering cholesterol with drugs, uh, we know that it causes adverse side effects in up to 30% of users. That's a lot. Um, conservative estimates indicate that at least 1% of patients, the, the side effects are serious enough to be life-threatening. That means, based on the number of people taking statins in the U.S. today, that at least 350,000 of those people are at risk of dying from that statin. 
People die from prescription drugs all the time. It's really common. And they die from taking statins. You don't ever hear that very often. And then they'll say, oh, well, it's really minor. It's only 1%. Uh, Okay, so if you know 100 people that are taking statins, you might be the one. Those aren't really good odds. I don't like those odds. I I have a 1 in 100 chance that I could die from taking this drug? Ah, no thanks. Now, here's some of the side effects. Damage to muscles. Not just, it's not just muscle pain that might go away someday. It's permanent damage to muscles, including the heart. The heart is a muscle. Also, exercise intolerance. Can't work out. You just don't have enough energy. So your muscles will um, fade and, and deteriorate even more because you don't have the energy to work out, and you're losing muscle cells from the drug itself. Increased risk of dementia and increased risk of multiple sclerosis. These are serious diseases. Neuromuscular problems, aches and pains, and ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Increased risk of Lou Gehrig's disease. Like I said, my father died from it. I watched it. It was a horrible experience. Increased risk of diabetes. Poor maintenance of bones and joints. Suppression of protective skin secretions and increased MRSA infections. Now, we have diabetics who have poor wound healing already, and now we're making them more susceptible to MRSA infections. MRSA tends to only happen when you have an open cut on your skin. But if you're a diabetic, you get open cuts, they don't tend to heal very well, and now taking a statin would increase your risk of getting MRSA MRSA is is an infection that you might have to have something amputated because of. These are not minor side effects like a headache and nausea or, you know, fatigue. We're talking serious stuff. There is a, there's not a lot of studies on this, but if you look at the numbers, people on statins get cancer more than people who aren't on statins. We don't know why because they haven't really researched it much. Again, we have to ask the question, why would anybody want to lower cholesterol uh, if, if these are the results of doing that. Now, here are some other crazy statistics. Um, statins, because they block a lot of those biochemicals, um, are affecting mood and cognition. Fully 20% of the adverse reports for statin drugs include such symptoms as aggressiveness, hostility, sensitivity, paranoia, depression, sleep disturbances, suicidal ideation, suicides, homicidal ideation, and road rage type behavior. Men and women will state, this is not the person I married. Their spouses realize something changed. Nobody ever traces it back to the statins, even though the medical community knows all of this stuff. The doctors probably don't, because the doctors are so overwhelmed these days with, with so much stuff, they don't have time to go try to research all this stuff, and the pharmaceutical companies certainly aren't telling them. So let's move on. Here, here's something else. Neutrophils, macrophages, and natural killer cells are the first line of defense against injury and infection. They use glycoprotein matching to identify problem cells. Now, I don't want to get too deep into the science, but B lymphocytes produce our antibodies and our T lymphocytes engulf and destroy invaders. 
This function is dependent on proper glycoprotein identification. There's no disputing the ability of statin drugs to inhibit dolical synthesis. Therefore, impacts on the mechanisms of glycoprotein action are inevitable. Let me explain in English what that all meant. Oh, okay. Um, Bruce was trying to get my attention out there. Uh, Let me explain what this all means. When we talk about neutrophils, macrophages, natural killer cells, T cells, B cells, lymphocytes, that is our immune system. That's what keeps our body healthy from outside invaders. I'm sure you've heard the term... um, Oh, boy, I just drew a blank. I was reading something when I was trying to talk there. Uh, we now have all of these dr- or these diseases where our immune system attacks itself. Autoimmune, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, autoimmune conditions. We talk about them all the time now. When I was growing up, I don't ever remember hearing that term. I, I didn't know anybody that had, well, I knew somebody who was a type 1 diabetic, but I didn't know that that was an autoimmune condition because I had never heard the term. Now, in today's world, We have over 100 autoimmune conditions and diseases, over 100 of them. Do we wonder why? With such a poor diet and drugs that virtually destroy our immune system's ability to understand what is a true invader and what is our own cells. That's what all that science I just read, all that geeky sounding stuff was saying, that when you're taking a statin, your immune system has a very, very difficult time trying to figure out what is a true invader and what is a cell that belongs in your body, and that's how we end up with autoimmune conditions. So back to the, um, back to the idea that these drugs ab- absolutely interfere with our DNA whether it's nuclear or mitochondrial, I'm not going to get too deep into that. Uh, But here, again, uh, another quote from a traditional doctor, not a functional medicine doctor, quote, I can think of no greater pharmaceutical concern than a drug that interferes with our DNA, whether it's nuclear or mitochondrial. And it absolutely, statins absolutely interfere with our mitochondrial DNA and can damage it to where it can't be repaired. And that's where many of the side effects come from because then the cell dies. And now, again, we're talking about every cell in our body. Um, With sufficient mitochondrial damage, fatigue becomes inevitable. Without mitochondria, you can't produce energy. But if you go into your doctor and you say, boy, since I started that statin, I'm just tired all the time. I have no energy. I can't do anything. He'll say, well, you're just getting old. Every cell comes equipped with mitochondria. Every one. It's the energy producer of the cell. Muscle, heart, and brain cells have hundreds of mitochondria because of their metabolic energy demands. So now our brain, our muscles, and our heart are being damaged. The mitochondria in each one of those cells are being damaged and will lose function in all of those areas. Um, 
One more thing on the risk of statins. I, I know I'm covering these several times, but I'm actually taking quotes from several different doctors. So you understand this isn't just one doctor, one book. There are dozens, probably more than dozens, many dozens of books out there about the dangers of statins and the wonders and amazing things that cholesterol does in our body. And yet very few people have ever heard any of this stuff. All right, quote, in the past, I have cautioned about the use of statins for those with diabetes because of the report by Geist, that was a researcher, of a much greater tendency for peripheral neuropathy in those taking statin drugs. Now, if you're a diabetic, you know neuropathy is is serious. And, And again, back to the quote, since neuropathy is already a serious problem for diabetics, the effect of adding statins to their treatment program has always concerned me. Mitochondrial damage, the special focus here, raises the risk of peripheral neuropathy for many people to excessive levels. Now, if you've ever experienced neuropathy, I haven't. Um, but I understand kind of, I think, what it feels like. You know what it feels like when you sit on your foot or you sit wrong and your we say your foot went to sleep and it's this pins and needles and luckily it's over in a minute or two. Imagine feeling that all day long. That's neuropathy. Now, we know statins increase the risk of diabetes by 30%. Once you have diabetes, you're at risk for neuropathy. And now we also know that statins increase the risk of neuropathy. Is it any wonder? Now, we give somebody a statin and it causes them to be a diabetic. Oh, well, now we can give them a bunch more diabetic drugs. Oh, now they're a diabetic and they're taking statins and they have neuropathy. Yeah, they have drugs for neuropathy. They're not very good. They don't work hardly at all, but I'm sure they're working on new ones. Do you start to get the picture here? Do you start to see that nothing about the pharmaceutical industry has been designed to make us healthier and everything about the pharmaceutical industry has been designed to make money? Now, I had some other things, but I want to wrap this up uh, in under an hour. I will take calls and questions if you have any. Uh, I don't have any questions on on the line right now, uh, but I'll, I'll give you a minute or two here. Uh, while I look through my notes and see if there's anything else I wanted to cover. I had so many notes. Um, Oh, yeah, I might as well throw in a little commercial here while I'm waiting to see if we have phone calls. I just looked at my notes and I did remember something. So what what could we do about this? I don't like to just... uh, Just point out all the problems and not give you some solutions. Well, clearly, if you've listened to me ever about health, you know that I'm a firm believer in our health is solely based on what we put in our face every day and nothing else. What you shove down your pie hole determines how healthy you're going to be. Everybody on the planet should be eating some sort of a paleo-based diet. If, If you're over 20... God, I used to say over 40. If you're over 20, you should be eating some sort of a very low-carb paleo-based diet. Keto, nutrient-dense keto, carnivore, something along those lines because anybody over 20 has already done so much damage to their body that just eating paleo won't be enough. Um, You should be eating a very, very low-carb paleo diet of some sort. If you don't know what that means, you can call me and I'll help you understand. Now, 
what do we do if you've already got a lot of this damage? You're already diabetic. You've already got neuropathy. You're already experiencing muscle pain and muscle fatigue. Uh, diet is going to help tremendously. But this is an area that we can also um, we can also supplement. And supplements can make a pretty big impact here. Now, let me go through. Dr. Graveline actually did a great job of, uh, of putting together a list of supplements that can help with these things. And remember, Dr. Graveline was not a functional doctor. He was a very traditionally trained doctor. So this was even coming from him, uh, the nutrients that could help make this better. Uh, I'm going to list them pretty quickly here. CoQ10, vitamin C, selenium, D-ribose, tocotrienols, um, vitamin E, glutathione. Uh, there are a couple others, but the, the reason I'm going to stop there at those, and, and this isn't an accident, it isn't a coincidence. Um, one of our top-selling supplements now is Cardio Miracle. Uh, Cardio Miracle includes all of those. Oh, no, let me take one back. I'm sorry. There's no glutathione. Um, Glutathione can be produced in the body if you have all the other proper um, nutrients, but it's not in there. All the other things I talked about are in Cardio Miracle for a reason. It's not a coincidence. They're in there because they did the research to know all this stuff and know that those are the nutrients we absolutely need to have to, one, to have a healthy cardiovascular system, and two, try to overcome all these, this damage that's being done by a poor diet. And if you're on supplements, or statins, I mean, you absolutely should add Cardio Miracle. It can help, uh, help fight against a lot of these issues. All right, so uh, I believe we have a call. So... Let's go to Georgia. Adam, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I've been a long-time listener, and I this is my first time calling you on your new platform, and I'm glad to see that you're still out there. Um, anyways, I uh, wanted to talk about the fact that I, I went in to see my doctor at the Veterans Administration after not having seen them for two years because of the COVID, they wouldn't allow us to come in for a live visit. And so I go into the doctor's office, and I had two major concerns. One of them was that I'm on the, uh, the PPI anti-acid blocker, and I was wanting to get off of that because I've been on it for a long time, and I, I've been listening to some of the books that either I, you recommended or some of the other people I watch on YouTube recommended, and they just talked about that you're not really supposed to be on those for an extended period of time. And so anyways, I've, I've tried several times to get off of them, and I have a new plan that I kind of came up with. But uh, so I addressed that to my doctor, and then I had stabbed myself just above the um, the, the knee with a, about a one-inch blade. I was cutting something, and ever since then, I've been having some knee issues, so I brought that up to her. And I go into the office, and I'm, I'm uh, waiting for her to kind of acknowledge me. She's looking at the computer and stuff, and then I said, hey, uh, did you, did you uh, get the message from the nurse? I had a couple concerns, and I, I waited for her to respond, and she kept staring at the screen. And so quite a bit of time goes by, so I asked her again, and she kept staring at the screen. And she uh, finally said something about, yeah, I think it's a good idea for you to get off the PPIs. And, and then she kind of gave me a recommendation about it. And uh, and then I asked her about vitamin E, and she goes, well, we didn't test for vitamin E this time. And I go, 
I'm sorry, vitamin D. And I said, well, well, why not? She goes, well, we don't test every time. And I'm like, I, I haven't been hit into the office in two years. I go, yeah. what was it the last time? She goes, oh, it was 56. And um, anyways, I, she never looked at me. I mean, she didn't even, you know, examine me. Yeah, right. And uh, I was so distraught about the whole thing. And anyways, another thing I was asking her about was getting off of uh, Lysinopril or reducing the amount of Lysinopril. And so something that I had done before the doctor's appointment that I had gone in and I had been taking my blood pressure for a week. I was taking it in the evening on the same arm three times. And uh, for the week that I did it, my blood pressure was 120 over 79. And, uh, Perfect. And I'm, and I'm taking these stats. And I'm taking these statins. And I'm like, or not statins, I'm taking this Lysinopril. And I'm like, well, you know, do I really need to take it? And um, so, and the other thing that she told me, she said that I was uh, pre-diabetic. She said I was a 5.7 on the blood sugar scale. And um, I have to admit, my uh, my downfall is alcohol. Okay. And I really don't want to be diabetic. And I've been eating almost carnivore. I mean, I have a little bit of uh, vegetables. Like I had asparagus with steak yeah. last night. Vegetables and are I've fine, been eating really. Mostly meat. Yeah, vegetables are fine. Vegetables yeah. are not, never going to make somebody diabetic. And when you hear me say, you know, eat carnivore for seven days or for longer, I, the lower carb we go, the quicker this all happens. But I don't, I don't want anybody to think you ever should feel bad about eating vegetables. It, that's not going to be the problem. I mean, if you eat nothing but meat and vegetables, you will not be diabetic. Well, my my thing is that I'm going to continue with that diet, and then I come up with a plan. I mean, I like to drink, so my plan is one day a week, either Friday or Saturday night, whichever one. You know, if I drink on Friday, I won't drink the rest of the week. So, you know, the next week, and if I decide not to drink on Friday, I'll drink on Saturday. But I just yeah. enjoy alcohol, so I'm going to do it once a week, so four times a month. I figure that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah, and and like I say, you know, we used to believe that a little bit of alcohol was good for us. I, I no longer believe that. I believe any amount of alcohol detracts from our health. But having said that, I had dinner with Bruce and Debbie the other night, and I had two glasses of wine. I enjoy alcohol, too. I live a pretty damn healthy lifestyle. I've given up a lot of other things, and I have cut out about 98% of the alcohol I used to drink. So once in a while, not that big of a deal, and it's really not a problem. So if you continue on the path you're on, one, you're absolutely not going to be di- – and you're probably not pre-diabetic now. The problem with our, our method of testing for diabetes is that it is horribly flawed. Um, there are times where doctors would look at my blood sugar numbers in the morning, and they, they would say I was pre-diabetic. And the thing is, I was never even pre-diabetic before I started eating this way. And certainly, eight years of eating the way that I am now, I am as far away from diabetes as you could possibly be. But their their measuring system doesn't work for somebody that eats the way we do. And and you will not need the lisinopril. And certainly, don't ever let them put you on a statin. Yeah, I, I was on stands and I started listening to you a couple of years back, and I totally dropped all that mumbo jumbo. And a lot of the books that I've read, they're you know just like totally anti stat. I don't see it's ridiculous. I can't even. And she was trying to put me on one too. She was looking at my cholesterol. I'm like, I am. I, I just abruptly stopped her and said, I'm not taking a stat. Good. Good. 
Yeah, we, we need to take a stand anyway, more with doctors. They're, they're not God. They can't tell us what to do. They can make recommendations. We can get second opinions, third opinions, 10 opinions if we want. But ultimately, we all get to make our own decisions about health. We don't have to listen to them. Kevin, I, I kind of curious. I know you're not a doctor, so you can't give doctor advice. What, what is your take on the legitimate Is I mean, I, like the dad. He, he had cancer. He lost a bunch of weight, and he, his, his, his blood pressure totally normalized because he, he lost so much weight. And, I mean, the way that I'm eating, I'm sure that I'm going to lose a little bit of weight, and, and uh, I really don't want to take anything like that. Yeah, let me give you my opinion on this one. Lisinopril itself is not that bad of a drug doesn't have a bunch of horrible side effects. It's pretty safe. It's been around for a long time. We know a lot about it. If somebody's eating the standard American diet, there is a pretty darn good chance by the time they get to 40 or 50, they're going to need something because they're going to have high blood pressure. And uh, honestly, if they're going to continue eating the standard American diet, I would rather see that they stay on the lisinopril. High blood pressure is dangerous. It's, it, there's no... There's no um, warning signs there's no symptoms and it can it can kill you i mean you can have a stroke you can have all kinds of things now we know that if you we can control blood pressure with food so if somebody's willing to change their diet like you have then i would say no at some point you won't need it anymore but if people are going to eat the standard american diet that's a drug they should probably stay on so i should just really continue to monitor my blood pressure and if it gets to be kind of low then i I've actually reduced the amount. Like, have me. Well, the Veterans Administration gives you a forty milligram pill to have you bite it in half. I've been biting it into thirds, it, and my blood per- pressure is on that one twenty over seventy nine. Perfect. And here's something else you can do: go to taking it every other day for a while and see what happens. That's a good idea. Like that. Okay. Yeah, take it every yeah. other day and and keep monitoring your blood pressure yourself because that's more accurate than the doctor anyway. We know there's a, a whole issue with what they call white coat syndrome. People show up at the doctor, they're anxious, and their blood pressure goes up. It, it's never, I, I never trust the reading in the doctor's office. One, I've talked about it many times, they don't do it right. You, you come rushing in late for your appointment, I've, I've had it happen to me. You come rushing in, I just ran through the parking lot, it was 90 degrees outside, I'm sweating and all red in the face, and the nurse slaps the blood pressure cuff on me and wants to take my blood pressure. And I'm like, are you insane? And she said, what? And I said, do you really think you're going to get an accurate reading? Look at me. I'm breathing heavy. My face is red and I'm sweating. And I just walked in here. If you look at the procedures the way they're taught, you're supposed to sit still in a chair with your feet flat on the floor and not talk for five minutes before they even attempt to take it. So I don't trust their reading. So the best thing you can do is check your own blood pressure exactly like you're doing. And now you can do some self-experimentation. You've already cut back on the lisinopril, and your numbers are exactly where they should be. Go to every other day and see what happens to them. And if that works, then skip two days for a while and see what happens. And pretty soon you might not be taking it at all. And that's your choice. All right, sir. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, the... You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We are going to wrap this up. I've got uh, I've got a lot to do today, and uh, we will be back. To, oh no! You know what? We've got a uh, we've got another call. I'm going to take it because I ask for calls, and they're here. So uh, I'll keep going as long as we have some calls. Scott in California, what can I help you with today? 
Good morning, Kevin. Um, I'm uh, taking uh, statin drugs. Uh, in fact, I've been elevated to more strong, stronger ones. Uh, of course. You know, through my doctor. And uh, I've been questioning, uh, you know, whether I really want to take them or not. So uh, after listening to you, I think I'm going to uh, quit. No, my question is, can you go cold turkey or do you need to taper off of these? Good question. There are many, many drugs that you really do have to taper off of or you can get some really nasty uh, effects if you try to quit them cold turkey. Statins aren't one of them. The faster you stop statins, the better you're going to feel. That's easy. Yep. Yeah, you don't have to taper off. There, okay. there's, there's no reason, there's no evidence that shows there's any danger to stopping them right off the bat. And with all those nasty side effects, most people report feeling much better after they quit them. Okay, sounds good. Well, we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, all right, I, well, thank you. You're welcome. And and for all of these calls, I'd love to hear back from you after you uh, do these things and see what the results are. Remember, you know, we, we have been convinced that doctors are God and we have to listen to the medical community. We don't. It's our choice. You can get it. And look, I, I'm, I'm approaching this from a nutritional standpoint. I've done a ton of research, way more than any of your doctors probably ever have, but I'm not a doctor. So as always, you should, if you decide, get a second opinion, but make it from a functional medicine doctor. Now, my strong recommendation on this particular issue about statins, um, Dr. Jack Wolfson is one of the best doctors I know when it comes to cardiovascular issues and statins. Uh, I had a discussion with him this morning. We have a call coming up this week. We're going to talk about some ways we can work together uh, even more than we have been. Uh, But I would highly recommend if you are concerned, if you want to talk about stopping your statins, if you're concerned about your cardiovascular health, um, highly recommend that you get a consult with Dr. Wolfson. For years, he was a traditional cardiologist who prescribed these drugs, and now he is a natural cardiologist. He calls himself the natural health doctor, the paleocardiologist. He has a very different opinion on this, but he still has all of those credentials as a doctor. And highly recommend, uh, if you're concerned, you do a consult with him and get a second opinion, a second medical opinion. I'm giving a nutritional opinion and an opinion after doing a lot of research. And if you, anything I said during this broadcast, if you want the research, it's all there. Uh, It's not even hard to find. Oh, we got another call. I'm going to take it. Let's go to BC. Murray, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How's it going this morning? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, we pulled off our first batch of the uh, coagulants on Friday. Okay. And uh, we've got the other ones dialed in, and they're working good, but that was the first batch of coagulants. It came off and tasted really sour, like sour cream. You ever had that happen? Did you do something wrong? Or? No, that's perfectly fine. Actually... We kind of tend to think that the more sour it is, the more bacteria we probably have. I, I, I you know, we, we need to do a lot of testing of this stuff, and I'm trying to find a lab that I can do some of this testing and not break the bank. 
um, because I'd like to learn some more about this too. But I, I, my belief is that the more sour tasting it is could be because we, we got more bacteria in there. Then that's exactly what we're after. Okay. So, and it was objectionably sour, like, like soured milk. It was, it tasted really gross. Well, not, you're not part. It was, it was, it, well, you said kind of like yeah, sour cream. So, uh, no, like sour milk. I, I've never known yogurt to be bad other than if it sits around and, and has mold. Now, we there are okay, lots and lots and lots of cultured dairy products. Um, we can culture dairy and make cream cheese. We can culture dairy and make sour cream. And it's all used. Uh, we, we use bacteria to do all of this. We can make yogurt. We can make clotted cream. There's double clotted cream. Uh, it, some are really sour. Some aren't very sour. Some are tart. I've never known any of it to be bad in a way that could hurt you. Okay. Okay. Now, so, here's the thing. So if, you're, that- if you're concerned, I would eat a little bit. You know, maybe um, a quarter of a cup and wait a couple hours and see how you feel. I mean, if it were bad in a way that could hurt you, a quarter cup would give you some symptoms. I mean, if you get a really upset stomach or if you get digestive distress, well, then I might say maybe I'll make another batch. My guess is you're going to eat it and feel just fine. Okay. And if we just added a little, like did the maple syrup thing with that? Yeah. And, and if that offsets it and it doesn't upset your stomach, then go ahead and finish it. Absolutely. And, and like I said, I, I sometimes and, believe that that might be a good thing when we get them that sour. Okay. Yeah, this wasn't, this was, this tasted, you know, like it tasted like when you open a carton of milk that's been in the fridge for too long and you open it up and put your nose in there, it's like, ooh, that's not good. Yeah. It was like that. Yeah. Like, well, tasted th- like that. Oh, and you've tasted it too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah it, I, it left a horrible taste on tongue and a bad taste in my in my nose all afternoon. Have you had anybody else try it? Yeah, Norma and I both tried it. Well, maybe. I mean, even if it's not going to hurt you, who wants to eat something that makes you that, that taste that bad? Yeah. Uh, and that was why I figured, well, you know, maybe I'll just try another batch of that one. But yeah. it's okay to use the culture, I'm thinking. The way to start the next one, that's not going to sour the next batch, right? Um, I don't know. It might, it might not. We're still learning a lot about this stuff. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, quick, a couple other quick questions. Haven't heard any sign of Broker Connect, and haven't seen or heard any sign of Doctor Feelgood. Are we? Are they done now? Or are they coming back? Or what's going on? Uh, no, that was one of the companies that dropped us. Broker, uh, uh, what? Truck stop. Truck, truck stop dropped us. Yeah, um, and I wasn't surprised oh. when I signed my original contract with Truck Stop. I signed it with the owner and founder, Scott Mosgrove. And, I, you know, I've said many times, this is why we don't depend on big companies and big corporations. Now, it, it doesn't mean we won't partner with them. I'll probably continue doing it in the future. But we don't depend on them. We never depend on that income. I've had this happen too many times. I had an awesome uh, relationship with Michelin for years. And the person I had the relationship got transferred to a totally different division out of commercial tires completely. And we lost the entire relationship. 
the next person comes in and just just drops the whole thing. They don't know me. There's no relationship. They don't know the benefit. And it's just not worth my time to keep going back to these companies when they have these kind of changes and try to sell them again. It's difficult. It's time consuming. And the bigger the company the more likely this is to happen. Truckstop.com, considering I signed my contract with the owner, I really didn't think I was in any danger. Uh, but when they got bought out, they got bought out by big tech. Big tech is the, the companies that have been censoring us so much. So, you know, right. it wasn't that big of a surprise. I really, other than Brent, there's a lot of new people in management that I have no relationship with whatsoever. Uh, so that was how we lost that one. You know, I, 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 I'm not saying that there's any problems with this relationship right now. In fact, it's really, really strong. But a company like Garmin, I mean, I, I don't have a relationship with Garmin. Garmin's just a big, nameless, faceless corporation. I have a relationship with human beings. And when they get transferred or, or a company gets bought, all of these things change. That's why we have never built our business model around corporations. We we build our model around people. Okay. And and when did uh, Truck Stop get bought? When did that change? Uh, that was about two years ago. I talked about it when it happened. Uh, okay. Huge sale. I mean, it, it was a big, big deal. Bill Gates was one of the investors. Oh, okay. Okay. So we know what, what big Brent tech has still, been. Brent, Brent's still there. Um, yeah. And there are some people there that I still know and still have a relationship with. And there may be a day in the future where we do something again. But again, we won't depend on them. If there's a benefit to mm-hmm. our tribe members to, to do some sort of a partnership again in the future, we'll certainly consider it. Uh, I talked with several people at the company that I know well at the truck show, and they all felt horrible that it happened. They they didn't want to see this happen, um, but it was out of their control. So, and even without them, we we will probably bring back Broker Connect. I mean, we're just adding you know one show at a time. I don't want to over overwhelm myself right now, and I don't want to overwhelm our technology and our team yet. Uh, but Broker Connect is still on the list of shows to bring back with or without Truck Stop. Okay. Okay. And and the numbers that you're pulling, like uh, the, the rate numbers and, and stuff, is that, are you pulling that off of Truck Stop or is that I, being aggregated somewhere else? I, I'm actually, but I have accounts and I have access to data, three different companies, Truck Stop, DAT, and um, Freightways. Freightways actually uses a lot of data from both of those companies. Uh, so I, I'm using multiple sources uh, for rate data right now. Okay. Sounds good. All right. I'll, uh, I'll let you go and get on with your busy day. Sounds good. Thanks for the call. Talk to you again soon. Uh, let's go to Michigan. Adam, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for the uh, the resources, all the information on the statins. That, You're welcome. Uh, that's definitely going to come in handy with some family members. Uh, good. But, uh, and, I've and, got a question about yogurt right, today. Yeah. By the way, don't forget the don't forget those books. Anything by Doctor Graveline. He's got one, like I said, Lipitor, Thief of Memory, where he tells that whole story about losing. Can you imagine that? I mean, the one time he woke up in the uh, emergency yeah. room, and and I, I guess once yeah, this is how over, does that not just grab your attention. Oh, and 
when I was reading that, you know, and he said, what would have happened if I would have been flying the plane when that happened? And I thought to myself, you know, we've all heard stories, truck drivers, we've heard stories of truck drivers just run off the road, run into a tree and die, you know, and and we all say, oh, well, they must have had a heart attack or they must have been a diabetic episode or whatever. Um, Maybe we should go back and see if any of those people were on statins. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Such a high percentage of people on statins, there's, and without any evidence to, to 40 point million. back to it, then yeah. what can you do? Yeah, 40 million. Yeah. And, and the it's thing ridiculous. is, unfortunately now, even if we went back, we could say, okay, they were on a statin, but we could never prove that that's what happened. There's just, there's no right. physical indicators at all. So even going forward, we could never know for sure that this happened. Maybe we just shouldn't be taking all these statins. Maybe we shouldn't be taking any. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree for sure. <laughs> All right. What but can I help a, you with a today? On a different note, I do have a question. Sure. Um, well, my wife has uh, uh, quite a dairy allergy, and we've been making uh, the El Ruderai, actually uh, the four basic uh, uh, types of yogurt that you recommend, and uh, with A2 milk and also with uh, A2 half and half. And it's just something that she's not able to tolerate. She can take okay. some, but then she ends up with uh, uh, brain fog and headache and diarrhea. Oh, yeah. that, that's not good. So yeah. I tried making a batch. Yeah, exactly. I tried making a batch out of coconut milk, and it's such a low yield. So I'm wondering, uh, she can uh, tolerate goat's milk. I'm wondering if I could mix some of that in there to uh, create a, a more yogurt consistency or Absolutely. or if maybe uh, coconut cream. Yeah, I, I would, would use, that give me uh, I would use coconut something? cream. I would use the highest fat content you can find uh, because fat makes the okay, consistency better. Yeah, fat makes the consistency better. The fat's good for us anyway, so I would use the highest fat content of coconut milk. Uh, I would use the highest fat content of the goat's milk you can get. And did you use any thickeners? No, no, we haven't. Uh, I went through uh, Dr. Davis's book, but I didn't really notice at the time, you know, audio book, I didn't really notice at the time him speaking much to the coconut milk. Yeah, if you, um, what is his website again? I think it's uh, inner. He's got something called um, the Inner Circle. It's like a membership. I know you got to pay for it, but um, uh, I'm a member, and I know in there he has all of the um, recipes. And I looked at. Well, I actually tried one batch with coconut milk because I wanted to make it that way too to get the benefits of coconut. And coconut milk. Um, yeah. The problem I found was I just really didn't like the consistency because you have to use it's a thickener. Thin. Yeah, you have to use a thickener to get it to where it's got a nice mouthfeel to it. And then I, I didn't. It, it wasn't horrible. I'll say that. It was not horrible. It's just it wasn't nearly as no. thick and rich and creamy as using, you know, half and half was. And I don't react negatively at yeah. all to the half and half, the A2. So I, I just preferred to stick with that. But he does have very specific yeah, so recipes to make it with coconut milk if you get on his paid website. And it's not that expensive. I, if I remember, it was pretty darn okay. cheap. 
No, I think it was $10 so, a month or something. It's, something yeah, it's like expensive. that sounds about right. So look up like Dr. Davis Inner Circle, or it sounds like you've already been there. Um, in that section, yeah, from he, the uh, yeah. wheat belly block. Yep, he has all the very specific recipes and which thickeners to use and how to do it, and it, it's all laid out. Yeah, good point. Very good. All right, I appreciate that. I want to get these uh, good gut bugs, uh, you know. That's right. Helping my wife, and right. uh, we're just having all kinds of trouble right now. Yeah, it's a it's a shame that um, you know this is as difficult as as it is. But I can tell you, once you get it figured out, and and I know the coconut milk makes it a little more difficult. But even then, um, the batch that I made was not that difficult. If you follow his instructions, and it came out thick, and I didn't have any separation, so I, I got a, a nice yield out of it. I just didn't enjoy the mouthfeel as much as I do with half and half. Yeah, I can understand that. It's certainly a lot more like kefir, at least what I come up with. Yeah, and now, then my, you know, making uh, a gallon of it, there right. wasn't much yield. Yeah, yeah. Now, my, with the thickener, mine came out like yogurt. It, it had a it had a good thick right. consistency to it, so it, it can be done. Yeah, I'll have to join that inner circle and look for that recipe. Then there you go. Well, very good. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Kevin. You've helped me out so much throughout the years. I, I really appreciate what you're doing for us out here. You're welcome. Thank you and, and everybody else for the support. I really appreciate it. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do this. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I've got to get on with my day. Thanks so much for listening and thanks for the calls. And we will do it again tomorrow. It will be the uh, Power Hour from right here at Pittsburgh Power. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.